0: I don't know if y'all been able to keep up, but we've been trying to read through Isaiah this month, and I forgot to announce that, but um, you'll see it in your bulletin or in a handout on the back, one of the two, I can't recall. But anyway, we've been trying to keep up in Isaiah. I've been trying to lead y'all through here a little bit, and uh, boy, let me say, man, Isaiah is a tough book. I don't know if you've been trying to read. I probably should have done this in two months. My apologies. Let me just apologize for that. We'll take these, one of these next prophets we do. We'll take a couple of months to get through them. But uh, anyway, man, Isaiah is tough. Um, and let me just just kind of where we've been recently... I don't know if you've been enjoying it much. Um, it is kind of cool, so you get through about Isaiah 12. And then, man, here comes the, the judgments against the nations. And, man, it's just chapter after chapter after chapter, starting in, in chapter 13 of uh, God saying, I'm going to judge Babylon, and then I'm going to move over, and I'm going to judge Assyria and the Philistines and Moab. And I'm judging. there's judgment coming against Damascus and Syria, against Cush down near Egypt, um, about Egypt itself. Uh, yeah, on and on and on. There's just more, and then and then Jer- uh, Jerusalem and Tyre, and on and on and on. So we've been reading a lot of the coming judgment of the Lord. Everybody been enjoying that? <laughs> That's tough, right? Uh, it, it's tough to enjoy. But but the cool thing about it, and, and this is kind of the boy here you go. This is kind of the whole deal this morning is that. In the midst of all these judgments, and, and really when you get to from Isaiah chapters 24 through 27, as, as we'll be reading through, or read through those yesterday, I guess, um, 20, okay, not all of them, but anyway, 24 through 27, those chapters together are called Isaiah's Apocalypse. It's because what Isaiah's foretelling here is the judgment at the, on the whole world that's going to happen at the essentially the end of time for the earth, where God's going to bring judgment on the whole earth for all of its sin, Okay. Now maybe a couple of things that we could take talk, take from from that, especially this morning. One is is that man. You see Isaiah here prophesy, prophesying about God's judgment, and basically he's saying, "I'm going to pick up this nation, and I'm going to use it to destroy another nation, and I'm going to take that nation, and I'm going to destroy it too." Basically, uh, yeah, it's kind of kind of telling, isn't it? One one is the thing that comes to mind immediately is God's sovereignty. You know, um, what's happening here in the rise and fall of nations is really incredibly detailed. And we could spend months and months just researching the history about why it was that Babylon rose and fell and why it was that Assyria rose and fell. And it was because advancements in military strategy and armor and wealth, economic wealth and power and personal, you know, individuals, people there who were, who were incredible leaders in their time. But basically what, what Isaiah is prophesying, and he keeps having all these visions, and he's saying, and God is the one who's behind all of this, the rise and the fall of nations. It is God who is making, bringing all of these, these things to his accomplishment and for his purposes. And we can all stand back and marvel at the hundreds of years that these things took place. And the Bible says, God declared up front, this is what I'm going to do. And that's exactly how it happened. It's really astonishing. I was going to try to get something in your hands for to help you understand just the incredible prophecy that was happening here. But it's just too much. I mean, we'd have to do a we'd have to do a, a college course on it. It's just incredible what's happening here. But anyway, um, I, anyway, take what you can from it, and just just think about the sovereignty of God and all of these things. But also, one of the other things is to take. And, and, you know, don't be apply that today. You know, all the things that we have going on in the world today and, you know, uh, this stuff that happened in, in Cleveland, Ohio this week where the guy had kidnapped three girls and, and we have the, you know, the Gosnell abortion trial that just is you know, going on and all this. All these things that we think, what is the world coming to? Uh, and, and where is God in all this? And what's going to happen in all this? I think we could all look at kind of the headlines the last several weeks anyway and look back and say, judgment has to come. There has to be an end to this. Well, the good news is, in God's purposes, there will be an end to all this. At, at one point, everyone will stand up who's not in the Lord Jesus, and they will have to give an account themselves for their sins, and God's judgment will follow. Amen? And, and it's right, right? I mean, you look at the things that happen in the world, and how could we say that would be a wrong thing? We can rejoice in that, actually, um, that judgment is coming against sin, and God's going to put an end to it all one day. Lord, hasten the day. Um, the other thing, though, I wanted to, to kind of point out to you here is that, and I kind of pointed this out last week, is that, boy, God is fearsomely holy in Isaiah isn't he? I mean, he talks about, you know, over and again, he's talking about the pride of the nations and about how a king or about how a people have this haughty attitude towards him, have this haughty attitude about their accomplishments. And God says, and I'm going to lay them low. He says, I'm, I'm going to put them on the ground, right, is basically what he's saying. And so he'll take an, a nation that rises up in pride and in arrogance, and he'll say, uh, I'm going to teach them a lesson as I, as I humble them." Um, so that part of that pride is that, that holiness of God that God absolutely opposes, and we see that all throughout the Scripture. Um, God opposes the proud, and God opposes the arrogant. Um, but don't, you know, don't forget that, is that, um, is that God's holiness is fearsome. You know, on this side of the cross, it's easy for us to remember his grace. It's easy for us to remember his forgiveness and his, and his love and compassion, but that holiness side of God has not gone away. You know, what we're experiencing is a window of opportunity where we've come into his grace, but that that fearsome holiness is coming. Um, anyway, so it, that's kind of where I wanted to start. But as you read through, as you read through these, these apocalyptic books about the fall and the prophecies of the nations that were falling, one of the things that you'll notice in there are these little places over and over again in the book of Isaiah where people are praising God. Okay? So here you have, you know, Isaiah's describing the, the rise and the fall of nations and, and, and terrible things that are coming for people and the judgment against the whole earth. And right in the middle of it, there's a psalm of praise. It seems really out of place, doesn't it? It seems really, really odd that in the midst of all this destruction and devastation that God's saying, I'm going to bring on the earth because of the earth's sins, because of their inhabitants sins that, that I'm going to put to an end. And then you have this breakout of all of these praises. But... That's what I want to talk about this morning. Let's look at one chapter, uh, chapter twenty-six in particular, twenty-seven too. But in the midst of of all the apocalyptic writing of, of Isaiah, in chapter twenty-six, we have right in the middle of it God's people rejoicing and praising Him for all that He's doing. Very, very, uh, very, very, very funny, very, very odd. But um, uh, but as we get through here, I, what I want you to see is is that. Despite all the things that's going on, despite all the things that the Lord's doing, um, there's reason to praise God. There's reason to rejoice in Him and what He's doing. And a matter of fact, no matter what circumstance you're in, no matter what's going on in the world, there is always reason to thank and to rejoice and to have joy in the Lord. Amen? Amen. Even in the midst of all of this trouble. Uh, but anyway, so here we go. But uh, the first slide. So because of God's majesty, we have rege- reason to rejoice Always, and don't don't miss it. So let's read real quickly. Um, we're gonna work, look through Isaiah chapter twenty six. We're gonna be in verses one through six, and then uh, kind of proceed after that. But here we go. Um, in that day, if you've been keeping up with uh, with your reading, Isaiah, man, he loves this phrase more than any other. He uses the word "in that day." What he's referring to, this is a prophetic uh, kind of a flag. He says, "I'm telling you that there's going to be a time that's coming." where God's going to intervene dramatically in the affairs of men. He said in that day is a a signal phrase to say there's a a day that's coming that God's going to do something abrupt, something unusual, something so different that people will take note. This is the day. This is the day that something happened. And let me tell you this. The prophecies of Isaiah in particular, sometimes, you know, you hear about prophecies sometimes that have dual fulfillment. In other words, um, you remember we, we were talking about in Isaiah chapter 9 um, where um, there's a prophecy of a child who would be born, and the child who would be born would be wonderful counselor. You remember all that? Okay. That's, that's a prophecy of Jesus coming, right? But it also had fulfillment almost immediately. Basically, what, what Isaiah was prophesying is out of, out of the king's own household, there would come a boy, and before the boy was three years old, the Assyrians would be defeated, and they wouldn't have to worry about them. And he would be a sign of God's salvation. So there was an immediate fulfillment of this child, but there was also a forward-looking fulfillment, this prophecy. There was a, a prophecy about the Lord Jesus Christ that this prophecy is really about. You know what I'm saying? So we have these times where we have these prophecies of an immediate but then also a, a, a looking forward. And you know, I love this that the Lord gives us this he gives us these little foreshadowing so that we could better understand who Jesus did and the, the and the depth of what he's done, right? So for Isaiah and King Uzziah, he, this child that's born in their household is a signal of the God's grace and patience and protection and salvation for them. That's to help us understand when the one who this is really about is salvation and protection for God's people, provided by God, a son who would be born. Okay, so that's kind of what we have. So in Isaiah chapter 26, in that day, what he's going to talk about here, he's going to talk about in the first six and then a little bit later, he's going to be talking about a time that we believe he's talking about, the time when the Lord Jesus Christ actually comes to establish his kingdom on earth. Believe that there's going to be a time in the future that the Lord Jesus comes and establishes his reign here over the earth, and that's what it sounds like he's talking about here. Listen to what he says: In that day, th- this song will be sung in the land of Judah. So here's a song about this coming day, where the, where the Lord will inter- will uh, uh, re- will interject Himself into the, in, especially into the affairs of men. We have a strong city; God makes salvation its walls and ramparts. Uh, so uh, yeah, so here first off. Um, the, what's pictured here is that, is that Isaiah has this vision or, of what's coming and the vision that he sees about, God's, is, uh, about this, is he says, it's like a, a fortified city with walls and ramparts. Ramparts are those um, elevated or sloping um, earthen bar- barricades that protected a city against a, an enemy. And he says, what God's going to set up is protection for his people. And what this looks like when Isaiah, when God gave him the vision, it looked like a walled city, a strong city with walls and ramparts for protection. Verse 2, open the gates that the righteous may enter, the nation that keeps faith. All right, so what he's saying here is that he, when he sees, the, he sees this, this time in, in history when God himself would protect his people, that, God, that people would be protected, and, and that the strength that would happen would actually come from the Lord himself, um, which is really cool. Uh, you know, that'll, be a, that'll be a good day. And look, what me, look with me then what happens. Those people who enter in, in, these are the righteous um, these are the citizens of that country. These are the citizens of that, of that nation, of that city. And they're able to come in and they're, and they're open to the gates and they're welcomed into the city of God. In verse 3, "...you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord, is the rock eternal." All right, so what's a, what happens here in this city is that people have come to know the sovereign. They've come to know the king who's in charge of this city, and it's the Lord God. It is him himself, and they've come to trust in the Lord so much that, listen, what happens is that they have perfect peace in him. Now, obviously, one of the reasons we talk to think about this is the millennial reign of Christ, is because we don't think this has happened right yet. Right? Is that there's not been a time, as, especially when the Lord's established His throne here on earth or His reign and rule here on earth. But look at the effect on the people: is that they have perfect peace, whose mind is steadfast because He trusts in you. I tell you, one of the the, the reason I really wanted to talk about this particular thing today is um, I've had. I've had trouble the last couple of weeks, and I have trouble all the time, actually, come to think of it. I, I don't know about you, uh, but I have trouble all the time whenever, uh, whenever things get stressful for me. Yeah. So it, it, let me just share this a little personally, because I, I wanted to be encouragement for you. Um, I, have, I have a little bit of anxiety trouble sometimes, yeah, maybe more than a little. Matter of fact, I asked my wife, do you think I need to be on medication this week? But anyway, uh, she said, no, nah, you it." So anyway, um, I, I have a little anxiety, so let me tell you what happened. So, I, I, you know, things at work always. There's always a lot of drama. There's always a lot of, you know, stress and whatnot. And you know what I find is that in those days, I'll come home and and I had a day or two this last week where I couldn't even. I I, I couldn't hardly even be myself around my family, and they all knew what was up. They all knew I was stressed. I thought I saw a look. <laughs> You're in trouble. Not really. I, I thought, you know, and, and just, had so much, just had so much trouble with stress. You know what I mean? Okay. So here's the point here, right? So I'm reading in this time, I'm reading Isaiah, right? And what's going on in Isaiah? God's prophesying this through Isaiah. is, is prophesying all this incredible change and all this incredible devastation that's coming on the earth. And then you read things like, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is steadfast because he trusts you. It, right, the Lord had really set me up, didn't he? Um, but uh, but, but, but the, the point here is that in the midst of all this stuff, the people of God are rejoicing in their trust and the confidence and in the protection of the Lord. And it hit me, you know, like it often does, like a ton of bricks right in the forehead, um, is that man? there is nothing that I go through that should throw me off a trust in the Lord a confidence in his goodness. Amen. a a a peaceful existence with God no matter what else is going on because here's what i really believe what i really believe is all this other stuff all these other stresses all this other stuff that i can get so excited about passing, fleeting, temporary, so little meaning. But but what the lord has done and who the lord is that's what's real, right? That that's what That's where my focus should be, is that I should be focused on those things because I have such confidence, Lord. I mean, think about it. If if I go around and I let all those other things steal my joy, and I let all those other things take away my trust and my confidence in the Lord, it's as though none of the rest of the work that he did in my life matters. I don't believe that. Now I don't. I don't think that way. Matter of fact, what I think is the exact opposite. What I believe is the exact opposite. But because Jesus Christ died, that man, that's all that really matters. Because He's redeeming my life. Because He's saving my soul. Because He works in my life. Because He He's shaping me to be more like Jesus. Because He's making me a better husband and He's making me a better father. And because He involves me in His work, which is the most. Uh, incredible work. I'm not talking as a pastor, but just as a believer. Because he involves me in his work here on earth, and I get to be a part of the spread and, and, and of the gospel. That matters. Amen? I believe that, but sometimes I don't live that way. Matter of fact, oftentimes I don't live that way. Oftentimes I let those things distract me, and I get excited about the wrong things. And so instead of living at peace, I'm living in stress. Instead of living in confidence of the Lord, I'm, I'm living in, in anxiety, right? Uh, and the, the, the point is here is that, you know, I, I want to live like I believe. But, but I find this all the time. I, I find this incongruity. I, I find that I, I think one way, but I live another way. And so what I need, really, I need the Lord to come in and I need him to bridge the gap. I need him to take what's in my head and what I say I believe and I need him to make it true in my life. I, I need to be like these guys in the last days who are going to stand up and see the destruction around them and say, praise the Lord. Right? Thank the Lord. He's, he's accomplishing all that he desires and everything he, he wants, everything he does is good. Amen. So look with me, let's just continue. And, and now that I've got you in that frame, let's look, let's look again. Let's look again in verse one. In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city, God makes salvation its walls and ramparts. Open the gates that the righteous may enter, the nation that keeps its faith. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is steadfast in you, because he trusts you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord, is the rock eternal. He humbles those who dwell on high. He lays lays the lofty city low. He levels it to the ground and casts it to the ground to the dust. Feet trample it down, the feet of the oppressed, the footsteps of the poor. God's always, always over and again in the scriptures, always for the poor and for their cause. Look with me now in verse 7. Verse 7, verses 7 through 11, is, he's going to give this contrast. He's going to talk about the righteous who get it and the wicked who don't. Okay, so here you go. Verse 7, the, the path of the righteous is level. O upright one, you make the way of the righteous smooth. Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws, we wait for you. Your name and renown are the desire of our hearts. I love what that says. Um, so, so for the righteous, right, the, the Lord makes a level ground. It doesn't say it's easy. doesn't say it's always easy. What it's talking about is the guidance and the leadership of God in the lives of believers. He's saying for those of you who are righteous, for those of you who follow the Lord, there's guidance and help and comfort, right, and leadership from the Lord. And he makes our, our ways smooth. Not always easy, but he makes them smooth because he provides guidance in our lives. Amen? Verse 8, I love this one. This is one of my memory verses. Maybe you should too. Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws, we wait for you. The, the term, that word waiting, when you see it in the scriptures, we, we have such a, a poor understanding of what wait means in, in our culture and in our language. When we think about waiting, immediately I think of impatience, you know, because that's what uh, the kind of our, how our culture is. But we don't have the really the word that, that they have in Hebrew or even in, in, in Spanish or other languages, the Romantic languages. The word, the word um, wait always carries with it, or almost always in the Bible, always, almost always carries with it anticipation or hope. So you could almost read this, we hope for you. It's saying that I know, I've tasted and I've seen the Lord's goodness. I know he's been good for me. And so what I expect tomorrow, he's going to be good to me. He, he's, I'm going to see his favor again. I'm going to see his goodness again because I know him and I wait for him. And listen to what it says. Your name and renown are the desire of our hearts. Yeah, how about that? How about that? that he, he, wants the, the, he wants the Lord's name. Uh, to be honored. He wants the Lord's renown um, is the desire of his heart, not his own name. He wants the Lord's name to receive uh, glory and honor. Verse 9, look what he says. This is like some of the Psalms, isn't it? My soul yearns for you in the night. In the morning, my spirit longs for you I, I love that. He's saying, I, Lord, I, I just long to be in your presence. I, I, I want to be with you. I, I've, there's a longing and a yearning. And, a, you know, I know um, growing up in, in church a lot of times, I didn't hear a lot of this kind of language, but, man, I hope, I, I hope you hear it from me. There is, built within the heart of men and women, a desire for God. Now, right, people try to fill that with anything else and everything else. But really, truly, the only way that we can find satisfaction for that hole in our hearts is, is right here in the Lord Jesus. It's right here through, through relationship with him. It's through being with him. We were created for this, that it was broken by the fall, by our sin. It separated us from God. But one of the things that the Lord Jesus Christ has done in your life and in mine is he restored the relationship was broken. And now we can really, we can yearn and we can long and we can have relationship with the Lord. Boy, don't miss it. Amen? Don't miss it. It's important here. When your judgments come upon the earth, the people of the world learn righteousness. The grace, here we go. So here's the contrast for for the wicked. Though grace is shown to the wicked, they do not learn righteousness. Even in a land of uprightness, they go on doing evil and regard not the majesty of the Lord. Did you hear that? What did that last verse say? Even in a land of, of uprightness, they go on doing evil and what? Oh, well, I've lulled you all to sleep. It's just, yes, read it with me. And regard not the majesty of the Lord. You know, here's my problem. I, see, I read this verse too, and I'm having a little, uh, little stress in my life and think about how, you know, whatever, freaked down or whatever I am. It, you know, if I'm a believer and I'm not regarding the majesty of the Lord, if, if, if I'm not living in the majesty of the Lord, there's something broken in me, right? It's the wicked who don't do that. I'm supposed to be one of the righteous people right? I, I don't want to be like one of, the, uh, one of the wicked. I don't want to act like, I don't want to live like. I need to live with regard for the majesty of the Lord. And what I mean by that is that every day to wake up amazed at the glory and the majesty and the beauty of God and, and all that he's done and all that he is and, and, and to spend time every day in his presence, yearning, longing for him, wanting to connect with him because of who he is and because of what he's done in my life. And I don't want to live like a man who has no regard for the majesty of, of, of the Lord. I want to be a man who's been changed by the majesty of the Lord. Amen? Amen? All right, so uh, let's continue on. Verse 11, O oh Lord, your hand is lifted high, but they do not see it. So what's he talking about? He said, the Lord is, is, He has his hand up high and he's about to... S- smack he's about to punish you know judgment is coming all right it's like uh you know your 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 children know they're about to get the spoon or the spanking or whatever whenever you grab it this is the same kind of deal uh, it, the hands raised up high but the wicked so their minds are so dark and their eyes are so blind by sin they don't see that God's judgment is coming yeah. okay scary isn't it frightening frightening to know the lord's about to strike you and you don't know what's fixing to happen okay O Lord, your hand is lifted high, but they do not see it. Let them see your zeal for your people and be put to shame. Let the fire reserved for your enemies consume them. About that. It's coming. You know, there are a lot of people who read and, and study about the grace of God and they miss completely the, the judgment and the, the, the right judgment of God and the holiness of God. And listen, you can't ignore it. It's in there. I know there are a lot of even people who have be, been evangelical pastors who come out and say things like, well, I've read the Bible and I've just come to decide there's just no hell. And you're just missing hundreds of scriptures that talk about uh, uh, hell that's coming. Uh, but anyway, okay, for all those who have to stand and make an account for their own sin. Apart from the Lord Jesus, okay. Verse twelve, Lord, you is here. We go. You ready, Lord? You establish peace for us. All that we have accomplished, you have done for us. Don't you love that? I love that last verse. All that you have, ac- all that we have accomplished, you have done for us. Uh, all right. There's some things that some real practical things that I want to uh, I want to share with you um, about this and, and just about how to how to apply all of this. Um, but the first thing, so so. So how about this? You know, one of the challenges I think as believers is, um, well, just as people, is that we have no idea how badly we've been corrupted by sin. But honestly, here you go. You ready? I'm sorry to break the bad news to you. You can't think right. You, you can't. We, we can't fully grasp who God is, what he's doing, uh, what, what's happening in the world, what's important, uh, none of those things apart from God revealing them to us. But there's also another side of that. What what that says is that there are parts in me where I don't think right, where my perspective is wrong, right? And my only hope is that the Lord God will himself through his scripture and through being with him, being with the Lord Jesus in, in, uh, in devotional time or whatever, quiet time, whatever you want to call it, that he has to change my mind. He has to change my life. And it's by the power of his Holy Spirit that it happens. But you and I have to cooperate with him right? We have to put ourselves in a place where he can move and change, and it doesn't happen if we completely ignore that side of our lives. So I, I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you with a couple of things. One is, the first thing is this, is that if you got any problems, you got any time where, where you're stressed and anxious, and when, if someone were to come up with you and say, boy, there's just no reason not to be rejoicing in the Lord. I, I know, you should never say that if someone's in that state. You should be a little more careful. But uh, but where you don't want to hear it, it's like, what. What, you know, what, you're telling me this? I, I, don't, I don't need that. I need something, you know, helpful. Um, but you, do you have those times in your life? Do you see that same kind of incongruity that I've seen in my life the last couple of weeks? If I act like I'm stressed out and I'm missing the joy of the Lord, that means my perspective is I've forgotten what's most important. I, I need a reminder. I need the Lord to come and step in and, and remind me of his majesty. I need him to remind me of his glory and of his beauty and the work that he's done and who he is. Um, And and I need that. So I've got just a, a few suggestions. One is when you see that incongruity, when you see that I'm not acting like I think or I'm not living like I believe, that should raise a flag for you, right? That's not somewhere that we should just go on. The Lord is God has revealed to you an area that he wants you to grow in. And he wants to take what you think and what you believe in your head and you have faith in, and he wants you to learn how to put it in your life. He wants to bridge the gap between what you believe and how you live. And he wants to restore something, some broken part of your mind, some broken part of your perspective, and he wants to restore it to something uh, that's beautiful and perfect and godly. Amen? Okay. So when you see this, when you see there's areas of your lives where you're not acting like what you believe, when you're not living like what you think, that's the time for you to come before the Lord and say, Help me. I believe this to be true but I'm not acting like it is. I believe that you're the sovereign of the universe. I believe that you want to show me your goodness, but I'm acting like it's all up to me, that it's all on me, that I have to be worried for my job. I have to be worried for my kids. I have to be worried and stressed out for money. I have to, is that really? That's not what you believe, is it? But it's how we live too many times. So let me encourage you. When you find those times in your lives, when you find that incongruity, when you find that you're living like the wicked and not like the righteous, that's the time to come before the Lord and say, I need your help. I need you to make this true in my life. So a few things. One is is memorize helpful verses. You know this one, you keep him in perfect peace whose uh, mind is steadfast in you. That's close, isn't it? Not quite. I, you know, I think I memorized that one. First King James and Mal N I V. Yeah, it's all messed up. But anyway, um, it it helps. Write them down. You know, put them. Um, we'll we'll have times, and I'll I'll do it in, in spurts and do well and do poorly. But I'll, I'll write a verse on a on a note card and I'll stick it in my pocket. And even when I don't remember to be reviewing it during the day, I'll be like, huh, what's that in my pocket? Oh yes. Uh, just, a, just a great reminder. But listen, part of what we need is a, is a transformation of our minds. Right? Paul talks about this in, 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 uh, in, uh, in Romans, right? It, yes. Um, Paul talks about this in Romans. We need a transformation of our minds. We need God to fix what's broken in our heads, right, a little bit, in our hearts. So write them down. Meditate on them. Remind yourself of them throughout the day. Take helpful verses that you know are the truth. And memorize them and make it a part of your life. Make it a constant reminder to you and yourself uh, throughout the day about the Lord's goodness. The second thing is this. is Ask the Lord to show you how you can trust him in your struggle. And just ask him, Lord, you're going to have to help me with this. I, I'm doing this like it's all on me, but I know it's really you. I know it's got to be you. Just ask him for help. Third thing, and here you go, uh, let me just encourage you. If you're struggling at all with anything, journal. You know, I journal for different reasons. I journal inconsistently. But, but when I do journal, it's incredibly helpful to my life. I'll journal, journal about the things that I'm reading in the scriptures just to jot them down, to try to capture more of that truth. There's something about it going in your head, thinking about it, and getting it down in paper that's incredibly helpful in your life. It really is. Um, journal about it. As you do, I've got, there's some questions there on your sheet that I passed out. If, if you're tr- having a particular kind of a struggle, write about it. What, what were the circumstances? What was going on um, that, you, that you were struggling? What was your response? What did you do uh, in the response? And then what were you thinking? And then why were you thinking that? What, what were you trying to get to? And then in the end, maybe, how could you have responded differently? That's a really good, helpful thing. But the last one really is the most important. Listen, is that you have to be in God's presence. Uh, th- there's no magic to sanctification except the relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. There's, there's no magic to, uh, to life change and, and for things becoming real and acted out in your life except through relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where it really, really happens is in his presence. Because in the end, it's just like what we read here in, in, uh, in verse 12. Again, would you put that back up, Tim? Thank you. Uh, Lord, you established peace for us. All that we have accomplished, you have done for us. In the end, this power to change, this ability to to make real in your life what's faith in your head, it's a work of God. It's a work of His Holy Spirit that has to be in you. And the best that you and I can do is to cooperate with the Lord and give Him the time, and give Him the attention, and surrender our hearts, and surrender our minds, and surrender your calendar. That's the hardest, isn't it? Surrender your time that he may work out these things in your life. Amen? Amen. So important. So important. So here we go. Last slide there, Tim, please, sir. The majesty of who God is and what he has done gives us joy, even in the midst of struggles. And I tell you, I'm tired of missing that. I don't know about you. I, my, uh, my dad sent me a, a, a deal from uh, Gordon Mote. I'll try to send some of that around too, to some of you guys. Do you see that from Gordon Mote? Yeah. Uh, anyway, just fantastic. Were you thinking about that? that. Yeah, <laughs> I'll forward it to you, too. I'll send it to you, too. Anyway, just, uh, yeah, it says, it's, it's, the, the, the name of the song is Don't Let Me Miss the Glory. You know, life's too short to be missing all that we have in the Lord Jesus. Life's too small to be, to be, you know, be caught up in all the small struggles and problems that we have, to be missing the joy of the Lord, to be missing that time in his presence and enjoying that time with, with our families, with our loved ones. Uh, God help us not to miss his majesty. Amen. Amen. Let me do this, too, and let me just say, too, uh, I want to leave you with one last thought. Um, Stephanie Wilbanks is going to be, uh, she is a- actually, um, at the end of this week, is still trying to raise missions for her trip to Colombia through global expeditions. I, yeah, hey, that's the first time I've gotten it the first time. How about that? Through Global Expedition. So if you guys um, have the ability to, we're, we're going to do what we can as a church, but if you would like to support her, and she, she didn't ask me to ask. I'm asking just because I'm asking. Um, if, if you could help with that, she still, owes, she still needs about $1,000 this week um, to be able to see it through. And she was just telling me I got to see them yesterday. Was that yesterday? Friday. I got to see them Friday. <clears throat> Man, the days are busy. And uh, she said, man, I, uh, the Lord, you know, said sometimes we have the money up early, sometimes the money comes late, but the Lord's always been faithful. Just really, really great testimony. So if you would like to support her in her work, boy, she would, she would appreciate it. They were garage selling yesterday and doing everything they can to, uh, to raise funds for her mission trip to Columbia, which is leaving Saturday. Yeah. So anyway, so y'all, uh, y'all go by and see her and, and uh, well, yeah, you need to see her anyway. We're not going to see her here for a week after, after this week, so... Uh, Two weeks, yes, as, as they traveled to Columbia to do some mission work there. So anyway, y'all get by and say, say hello to her. And just commit, too, to, to pray for her. If you can do nothing else, commit to pray for her and, uh, and the, those uh, guys going on that trip to Columbia as they, as they share the gospel there. So, um, boy, that's all I got today. Thank you very much for being here. Man, I hope you all have a great Mother's Day. I hope you have some great time together with your families. And uh, Lord bless you. Thanks for being here today.